This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Second, 2016, I believe episode 20 of the DSR podcast from our beautiful Ferndale Studios about Activate Gaming Podcast Detroit. I am Jeff Moss. This is the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. I am joined, as always, by an absolute moron who, theater of the mind, Spiro, uh, you know, we're not on TV so I'm not exactly sure why you're wearing a Scott Mitchell jersey other than just to troll everyone that you pass by, I guess, <laughs> on the way in here. I hope you didn't stop by any like restaurant establishments or <laughs> This is a genuine throwback too. This is this that is was like, a genuine this is oh, a real deal. Seventy fifth anniversary. Yeah. It's a little Scott rat, Mitchell. A little ratty and yeah. That's like wearing a team like a, a football soccer jersey for Team <laughs> Germany with the word Hitler on the back. I mean, to me, I mean, it couldn't be any worse. He had a nice season here. Oh yeah, he was great. He was wonderful. The primary reason why Barry Sanders probably didn't win a <laughs> Super Bowl, other than the owner and the coaching staff. But let's not get too distracted by your Honolulu Attire. blue and silver. No black accent, so I like no, that. No, no black accent, and that voice you hear. Believe it or not, we've caged him in. You were listening before our show started as I tweeted it out. Every Wednesday uh, at 4 o'clock to 5, the Red Wings alumni has a program, and they update people on the charities that the Red Wings Alumni Association are involved with, and it's a, obviously a worthy cause. Today, filling in for Eddie Mio, former Red Wing goalie who during the 1985-86 season had a goals uh, against average of 
or excuse me, a save percentage of 817. Eddie Mio. So, sounds about right. Bad year. Bad year, Art. Art Regner, <laughs> formerly of the Sports Doctors. Oh, my gosh, Jeff. You're going back a long way then. Formerly of 97 point, well. Never 97. Yeah, 1270. Yeah. WXYT AM. I yeah. never, got, I never yeah. made it to 97.1. No. Because if you you'd made it a couple more weeks, you'd probably still be on the air because, uh, you know, yes. the FM didn't hurt. That radio station, right? Exactly, and we we had been rumored to you know been begging to go to FM for a while. I can remember going in and talking to Dan Zampillo about it, and uh, you know certainly we were deathly afraid at that time that DFN would uh, get a clue and go to one hundred and six or whatever their right. uh, their, their w- www yeah and and move to uh, and move, go to FM Talk because we were convinced in the business at that time that whomever w- would go to FM. So you could hear it between, you know, DFN and and twelve seventy would get a leg up on the competition and probably do very, very well. And especially since XYT still had the teams as well, or at least the 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 Tigers and the uh and the wings at that point. Yeah, I mean at the time, people forget, but Stoney and Wojo had been dominating afternoon drive for a decade. Yes, no Uh, question. They were twelve seventy tried I mean, basically hired the equivalent of a dream team. To go against them in Kirk Gibson, Gary Danielson, who is now the number one college football commentator on, C- on uh, CBS, right. the SEC. He and, and Vern Kirk, Lundquist, right, they're the Gibby, team. Gibby, who is a one of the heroes of this town, and Eli Zarrett, who at that time was a very popular broadcasting name, and they couldn't do anything. Right, they they couldn't, but it was weird because you know sometimes Gibby could show up, sometimes he couldn't, and. You know, it, it, it was there, there wasn't a consistency on that show that I think that there, they would have liked to have been, and, and and I, you know, it's it's really tough. You know, they always say that the toughest thing is you know the first guy in is always going to win, and that was DFN. And at that time, you know, Gregor was still there, Henson, and uh, you know Jamie, and, and they had a pretty good lineup. When I left to essentially take the Red Wing job, because that's what I what I wanted right. to do. When I left, and they teamed me with. Uh, with Doug there for a while, Doug Karsh, who, you know, I, I'm friends with. I knew Doug, you know, for his, year, his years in Ann Arbor. Uh, but, you know, Terry soon followed. Terry Foster, I know you're, you're, big, you're good buddy there. We'll get there. to that in a second. Terry Foster. It's very odd that you're here today for a number of reasons. Terry so. Foster and, uh, uh, you know, Pat Caputo left. I mean, so some of the guys started to follow me over there. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still really good friends with, with, with Caputo. And uh, I tell you, know, Patrick is, you know, I, I have never, and I will say this, when people meet me, they ask me either about the Lions or they'll ask me about the Wings in Michigan. But they, when they ask me about a air personality or someone I've worked with, or the nine out of ten times, and I'm not exaggerating, the person they ask me about is Pat Caputo. Wow. They'll say, what is Pat Caputo like? What's with, what's with that guy? And they don't. What's that guy? And, you know, and I've told Patrick <laughs> this because, you know, they don't really like him. <laughs> No, right, exactly. You know I mean? Not exactly and, a popular And I know figure. him so well, and I really do like him. He's a genuine, he's a really a nice guy. He really is. But no matter how, I could talk till you know, I'm Honolulu blue in the face, and they're never going to believe me. You know, when I right. talk about, like, well, he's your buddy, you're covering well, up for your I, friend. I think you, you know? can separate the two. He's pretty bad at his job, and I'm sure he's a decent guy. I, you know, and I don't expect you to comment on that, Art, but I, you know, he's your friend. And, well, you know, you know I, I mean, I always used fun. to joke around with him, though, uh, Justin. I would say, you know, Pat would, you know, get up, hunch up on the mic and go, look, I've been Tiger Pete Ryder for 75 years, okay? Okay. <laughs> you know, we, we, so we would make fun out of him, but, you know, he's, 
I can't believe he elicits the type of response that he elicits. I guess that's I what I'm trying to say. I think because his personality on the air, which may be different as your, you know, your friendship. Tom Kowalski was friends with him. Right. I respect. I respect both of you greatly um, as people above anything else. But uh, it seems like his persona on the air is one that I know everything and nobody else is going to tell me anything. And he treats Fithian like a little bitch. I mean, he just. Oh, I'm with him on that. Well, I understand, but, but, but good, 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 good for Pat on that. But, but his personality is grating on the radio. I and, mean, and that's why people don't like him. And I think, you know, there's certain people that can get away with that if they happen to be right most of the time. But the problem is Pat has that bad balance of that's his persona and he's wrong all the time. <laughs> right. This is a guy who decried the Doug Fister trade, the first one that brought him to Detroit. Based on his one one three, loss three record, and twelve, three he said. and twelve, well, right? Because of the, with the Mariner but, team, but Seattle was horrible. I mean, right. yeah, right. I mean, all his, of his advanced stats were great. Right, his numbers were good. If you really look, at, except for the one loss, if you looked at Fister, I, I you know, look, I yeah, you're look, a Fister slap. And you got, I love Fister. You got three I great. I, so do I. You got three great years out of Fister, and you gave up nothing. I, and right. he hated the trade solely based on the win loss record. But the is reason it's odd that. That just by happenstance, Art was filling in today in the studio, and then I saw him, and I asked him if he could stay here for the first segment, is because both top stories on the Detroit sports rag today kind of involve Art in a little bit of a Kevin Bacon uh, six degrees <laughs> of separation. One, we have, go- we have going on the final of the DSR Worst Media Personality Tournament, the absolute final game, the Hyper Bowl matchup between... Terry Foster and Drew Sharp, and Drew Sharp is just annihilating from the it's from, a coronation from, from the jumps from Jump Street, eighty six percent to fourteen uh, percent. Drew Sharp is just he is the I don't, what would you call it the Goldberg? He's a locomotive. Turn, he's just yeah. a train. Yeah, he's just kill, stompeding everyone. Ninety percent, ninety five percent. The final, the final matchup, which is supposed to be the best of the best, or in this case, the worst of the worst. He's like got a seven hundred to like forty vote count, and you uh, contrast it to last year when it was Henning versus uh, the real Gator Anderson, right? Scott, and Anderson. it's just going down to the last two votes out of a thousand, wow. two separating to Anderson the, to and the Henning. last second. But, but Art was the best man at Terry's first wedding, correct? Uh, well, actually, it was the, his second wedding. He second was married wedding. to Michelle Kaufman right, right. first, yeah. right? That was Wojo was the best man at that. Wedding. I think Wojo and was. I was going to be the best man at the third. That's what I want to. <laughs> well, know. I was best man at, his, at at the wedding to Abs, and I was also godfather to his daughter, who is about to go to to college already. Right, and she's you know a soccer player. You know, I, I I still always call her Arthurina, of course. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but she. Uh, well, that's going back a long time. Yeah, but Celine is a is, is a wonderful athlete, you know, right. and she's really t- grown up into a you know a fine young lady. So I I always wish her the best. So that's one connection that you have to today's show, and the other connection is the fact that the big story uh, on the website uh, yesterday was the fact that. We're reporting that there's a chance that Mike Valente, whose contract expires at the end of this month, and he doesn't have a deal, is negotiating with CBS Radio, and there's a chance that he might go to New York to WFAN, the basically the first sports talk radio station uh, ever created, right. which it, led to you getting into the business at the fan in Detroit. Right. If it wasn't for them, I don't know if Detroit would have had a sports. So it would have been sports rap on WJR still. Right, with uh, Paul Chapman. Paul Chapman, Frank Beckman, Dave Llewellyn, and Skip Mackholtz. I mean, there have been a lot of... Chuck Swirsky. Chuck Swirsky, right. They've had a lot of hosts over the years. So but that story, which Foster and Valente was the program that replaced Karsh and Regner at 
Right, right, and then and then Gator replaced me with Doug. So you yeah. know, and so uh, uh, that uh, going back beautiful memory lane. Well, here. almost you know over nine years now. So it's it's been a while. So. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I read the story. I, I thought it, you know, I, I, I wish Mike nothing but the best. I mean, going to New York City. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the pinnacle. Working at uh, WFAN, if you want to be a sports talk show host, I don't think it gets much, much better than that. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, we'll yeah. see. We'll talk uh, it, about- it depends. You know, you, I think you brought up a really good point about his wife. I mean, I wish we just had Joe Coaster on the Alumni Association, and I asked this like glowing question. I know Jeffy. I said, you know, you I heard, heard the show it, yeah. about. Why do athletes stay in Detroit? You know, so many athletes uh, come here and never leave, and they just embrace this community. Why is that? And he told me it's because he married a Michigan girl who said she'd never moved to Saskatchewan. So who knows? I think that's a great point. If Mike's wife doesn't want to go to the Big Apple, he may not take that job. People forget that these are real people, and they're not athletes. I mean, yeah, obviously, if you get traded to, you know, the the Buffalo Sabres, you're not going to say, well, I'm a my wife's from Detroit and she's not leaving. You've seen in some situations like the Brad Stewart deal where because of because of family reasons, his wife, because of a previous marriage, I think she couldn't leave the Northern California. Yeah, she, they re- couldn't right. take the, the, the eldest daughter, his stepdaughter, which was a teenager, the father. You know, they're, they're, when you get into the custody thing, there's all kinds of things like when, it, you know, if you have like shared custody, a lot of times if a, one of the parties wants to take the child out of the state, you have to get permission right. from the other party. And depending on what where the relationship is at, it doesn't happen. Or maybe Stewie didn't want to go through that hassle or something. Well, there was that and her, she didn't want to go. That was yeah, right. Well, probably I mean, there's real life. Stuart these are was, real life decisions. Stewart was Jack's roommate in LA. Right. I mean, so he's actually still good friends with Brad Stewart. Jack Johnson. So, yeah, yeah. I think so, most people know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most. People. Our dear friend Jack Johnson. Yeah. Exactly. Who's um, injured currently? But uh, this is this is a situation where you know if your wife doesn't want to go, and we're going to get into this a little later. I want to talk to with the wings before you leave about the wings real quick, but. If your wife doesn't want to leave and her family's here, you don't know. She could have a sick grandparent. Right, yeah. Or who knows what the circumstance is. I believe, and we'll get into it a little later, I think it was leaked to the DSR because he doesn't want to leave. If he was going to go to New York, I don't think I'm getting that story because he's just going to go and and uh, that's it. He's going to get whatever money that CBS, they agree on. I have a feeling that that was leaked to the DSR for whatever reason, that if there's any Valente fans or they're going to put pressure on 97.1 to give him the money he wants so he stays here, I, I think his inclination is to stay in Detroit. I would be surprised if he leaves for a multitude of reasons. And I think it might be the DSR kind of being used a little to increase negotiation. Um, and we're self-aware of that. You well, know, that's what and I posted it in the article. Right, I don't want yeah. to be used. Yeah. So if that's what's happening. It's full disclosure. Yeah, you know so, we don't we don't know what's in his his wife's head as you said, I and mean, right. that's pure speculation. I, I believe that she might be more inclined to stay here. But I put it like this: you look if I'm him, if it's just me, I, I have to try to forget the familial stuff. I go, I go because I think it's a step up, and I liken it to when I you know when there's a college coach that's sort of on the fence. Chip Kelly was saying, "Do I go pro? Do I not go pro?" I say, "Go pro. Go for the top job you can. More money. You're not recruiting. Whatnot. More prestige." If you're Chip Kelly and you fail in the NFL, there's going to be 100 college teams lining right. up for you. If Lenny goes to New York and bombs, he can come back to Detroit. Like well, there's no Smilovitz, doubt. Like, like, like a Bill lot of people. You, point, like, yeah. you, have, you bring up an interesting point, Justin. You really do. Because the the, the thing – I'm sorry. I keep moving around and I shouldn't. I'm, That's all right. Hopefully. You're but, fine. But uh, – uh, 
you know, with with, with Mike, I, I you know the, the guy who was coaching Butler, the young coach, I, I forget his Brad name, Stevens. Yeah, right. Brad Stevens, right? You know, so you know, Butler's kind of like Detroit right now. You know, they're they're mid major. You know, I know they're, it's a major market, but you know, it's a little bit down, and and you know, and he's doing very very well. He owns it. You know, he could stay here for the rest of his life if he wanted to. He really could. But then the Celtics call, and he takes that job. That's the way I look at it. And you're absolutely right. I guess if I were telling Mike what to do, and I certainly don't, I don't care if he leaves or not. I really have no vested vested interest in this. Uh, no, I think well, only, I think only Terry Foster does. You, well, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Doctor Foster does. But you would have to. I don't know if you're in this business and you get a job to work in New York City. It would be like, do you want to be in the traveling company of Cats or something, or do you want to have a starring role, you know, role on Broadway? I mean, right. I would take it. I, I'm yeah. with you. You, you take know, the job. You got to take that job, yeah. right? I mean, it's New York. It's New doing? York. Yeah. Well, what are you doing in this career? I mean, well, what are you doing? I mean, you know, you and, and again, you can always come back. It's New York might disappear. Detroit will never disappear. Dis- the opportunity, I mean, you know, he he might not be able to go to New York in five, ten years. This is a golden opportunity for him. Again, and even even with the fallback of replacing a legend, because the sports pope Mike Francesa, that, I mean that's that's yeah. it. I mean yeah. him and that Mad Dog and 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 uh, Mike Francesa are the two names. Local sports talk radio, anyway. That's it. And you're replacing a guy like Francesa, who is like universally loved on a national level. I mean that shows, even though it's local, you can't follow on Twitter. I mean when Katie Nolan interviewed Francesa and said, I'm done in 2017. That became a national story in a second. He's a national figure. Replacing that guy would not be easy, especially when you basically made your bones in this town on a rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State that nobody in the Big Apple is going to care about. No, even though there's a huge Michigan alumni presence right. in, you know, you know, my fellow countrymen, yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. In Ann Arbor, I live in a house of, uh, you know, there was how many six? There were seven of us, and you know, five were five were Jewish, and, and, and two were we happened to be Catholic at the time, and uh, at the time uh, <laughs> we happened to be Catholic. You saw a spotlight and said, "Fuck well, that, you know, it, out, it, I'm out." It was really weird because those guys got into Christmas like I wouldn't see. They love to have a Christmas tree and all this kind of stuff. But you know, my my point being is is, is this is, is is that I look at at this opportunity. Uh, and Mike, I, you know, I don't know where his head's at. You know, I haven't, I haven't talked to Mike in almost 10 years. I haven't said a word to him. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Again, I know I'm sounding redundant here. If you have an opportunity to go to New York, don't you take that opportunity? Don't you really? It's not like major league baseball, you know, you're going to play for the Tigers. You can make 20 million. You can play for the Yankees. You can make 20 million. You know, maybe unless you the mystique of the, 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 the pinstripes maybe, but everything's kind of the same salary caps. You know, you can make, you can make your money anywhere, New York in this business and the way this business has really shrunk and where the money is evaporating on a daily basis. I don't know how you don't do that just to take the money grab. The only reason is if his wife is just adamant about not going, which is a possibility. Some people don't want to live in New York. I mean, See, that's, I, would, that's I, a, I like New York, yeah. though. I'm, I'm not saying we don't know what's going through her head. But before you go, before we, we end the first segment, we got to talk about the Red Wings. Uh, you and I come at it, I think, from a couple different angles. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little they, they didn't the yin and the yang. Yeah, really. right. Yeah. Well, I mean – 
Art's a realist. I mean, I don't think – I mean, it's not exactly like George Malik is sitting across no, from here. it's not Greg Krupa. Or Greg Krupa or someone yeah, no, like he's that. he's not pounding thunderstorms. No, exactly. But the Red Wings, for the first time, I don't know. In, I, when was the last time the Red Wings did not make a trade at the deadline? You could probably have to go back two or three decades. They always do something. Right. It. I, I would imagine that – Maybe from up top, the pressure on Ken Holland to keep the playoff streak alive hasn't been as great as it was uh, over the previous several years. Um, I, I think, you know, I was telling a, a friend of mine, I think the best thing for a Detroit sports fan, if you're a fan of the Tigers and Red Wings, is that Mr. Illich is healthy because he seems to be spending some money. Right. You know, Justin Upton, you know, I you know from you know the rumor has always been that, you know, Chris isn't enamored being a sports owner. You know, he would rather just have the casino and little Caesars and, you know, just get out of it completely. But certainly they're not going to sell the wings until that arena's built where it'll jack up the price by right. at least 200 million dollars. So, um I I think that you know the worst trade was probably the Leguan deal. But I know there was a lot of pressure for 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 them to. Tr- you so know. you're saying a lot of pressure from up top that they had. Yeah, yeah. You know what? But here's I, where you know, I've heard that Kenny has been called into the 14th floor of the Fox Theater, where you know where the executive offices are, and has just been reamed about certain things. Or you know, it's more important, I believe, within that organization to keep that streak alive than it is to you know the, the three four of, of us sitting yeah, here. Right. right. I, I truly believe that because we understand how sports works. We, we you know we realize that. To get, you know, Dylan Larkin uh, was pegged to go at 15th, and that's where he went. But if you saw Dylan Larkin play, which was amazing, I couldn't believe he was that low. You saw him, you know, play at, uh, you know, for the U.S. team and the World Juniors. He was USA's best player. I mean, you know, and today everyone said, well, he would have been a top five pick now. Well, right. yeah, but, you know, but it, he slotted into where to go, uh, you know, um, Athanasiu, though, so this is what, and this was Jim Nill. Athanasiu, and I know Jimmy Nill told me this, he got into a really big argument with the Hunter brothers in London. That's where he played. They traded him to Barry. They, they traded him to Barry. The Hunter brothers then did a character assassination on this kid. He's troubled. He's not a good personality. That was what was going on in the draft because when the Red Wings drafted him, and I think, you know, I mean, I watch the draft every year, and they drafted him in the fourth round, and they said this kid has first-round talent, but, you know, he couldn't get along with the Hunters. He's, he's a pro- he has a problem. It's character issues, character issues, character issues. Which is kind of funny because one day – Anthony Siu might be playing with Pierre Turgeon's uh, son. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, and what's interesting too, Jeff, is that Nil told me because I would always go up to Jimmy Nil and I tell him, you know, like like Riley Sheehan, I saw him play at Notre Dame. I mean, I thought he was a great player. I thought he has a great shot, really good upside, can play defense. And I, I yeah, I went up to Nil and I said, you know, you got a really good player there. He goes, yeah, I know, Art. He'd laugh. He goes, that's why I drafted him. But I said the, the Greek kid because you know my mother her you know I'm half Greek you know and my and my mom's parents uh, immigrated from Greece and you know, my mom spoke Greek and you know half my relatives speak Greek you know and so anytime there's a Greek athlete I'm very well aware of it they love Chris Chelios and all that kind of he's stuff he's Greek too yeah I know I could tell Spiro <laughs> that name I knew right the away those are the name <laughs> <laughs> but but very mean 
Sorry. But but I would I, I so I asked him because he was Greek and I knew that my I knew my mom, you know, she was still alive when they drafted him and you know, she'd asked me about, oh, they got a Greek boy. They got so a you're Greek saying Nil was behind this? So I asked Jimmy Nil. I said, wow, this Anna the Steel guy or whatever. You know, I couldn't pronounce it then. I can't pronounce it now, I guess. I asked him. I said, what? Why Why did you get him? You know, what? What? what uh, is this Greek kid any good? Because I, I always call him the Greek kid. And he he said, Art, says, <laughs> we were looking at our draft board. When I saw that he was still available, I thought it was the third round. I guess it was the fourth round. I told our guys, I don't care who we have next on our board. We're drafting him. Right. And they did. And, and, and that's the thing that kind of scared has scared me for the last few years. I've always thought that between Jim Nill and Hawken Anderson, right. that's how this team was built in the draft. And if you look at what Ken Holland's done, and this is why I've been bashing Ken Holland since basically 2011, two or three years before anyone else, is that if you look at the trades – which are almost non-existent. If you look at the free agent signs, which have been an abomination, right? It, it just and not to mention the universally pan signings of a guy like whose contract has even started in Justin Abdelkader, who he hands out thirty million dollars to four point two five AAV, good which, value according which to was, the which was absolutely laughed at by the hockey Illuminati the minute the ink was placed on that deal. And this year you're saying, well, the pressure might not have been as great to make the playoffs, but this is what's bizarre to me. The Red Wings in the last three or four seasons are sitting right now, sitting on Monday or Tuesday, Monday when the deadline at 3 o'clock, probably in one of their better positions that they've been in. They're, what, six points ahead of not making the playoffs. They're right in the mix for the two, three, or four. If they stay ahead of that second wild card, they avoid the Capitals in the first round. I don't think anyone in their division is very scary. You could make a case that the Red Wings right now are in the best position they've been in the last three or four years playoff-wise. You know, I don't disagree with that, Jeff, but I do think that they probably look at it, and I think the way they are thinking it through is that if they're going to really make a run, because goal scoring has been an issue in the playoffs for forever, it seems like for this team. You know, they, you know, like two thousand cap era, in the cap era well, when, two, when, two, when Ken Howland couldn't take out his checkbook and write and sign Luke Robitaille, Brett Hall in the same offseason well, right. and take an eighty million dollar payroll. You know, and we can get on. You know, we can talk about Hosa and Franson and you know, and all kinds of stuff. You know, some some of their signings that 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 they've done. But you know, I, I mean, I look at it and I think that they believe truly that they've got not only a good goalie, they've got an all-star elite-level goaltender right. who has won at every level. And he, you know, he, you know, Grand Rapids has ne- never won a professional sports championship until the day Peter Mrazek arrived in town. If you look at where the Griffins were before Mrazek came, and I know it was early in the year, like 10 games in or something, he willed that team to, to the Calder Cup or whatever it right. is. And... I, I think that they, they kind of look at it at this point, and it's like they're looking at it, I think, you know, and I haven't talked to Ken recently, that it's sink or swim for Nyquist and Tatar. You know, he, he, you know, Dan Souk was not a great playoff performer. Remember, you guys should remember, he went, what, 26 right. playoff games and didn't score a goal. People, I can remember the Canadian press yep. coming up to me saying, oh, this guy sucks. He's not very good. And, you know, look what he is today. You know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, I think they want to know 
Because they're not going to win the cup unless Mrazek goes on a, a, an incredible run, which he's capable of doing. But still, we're talking about winning 16 games at the NHL level as opposed to an AHL, you know, format uh, playing against those teams. But, but my, what's different? But, the Red Wings. What's different? Art. The Red Wings are in a similar situation. I'll tell you what I think is different. Okay. The lambasting that Ken Holland has taken over the last few years, mostly national because the Helene St. James, the Answer Cons, the Ted Colfins, the Greg Krupas haven't said a word. They don't bash Ken Holland ever. But the national, especially the Canadian media, about the Leguan trade, giving up Kali Yarncroft, who's a solid performer on a Nashville Predator team, giving up Matthias Janmark, I'm probably butchering his name, uh, well, for, you know, for Eric Cole. I they think never that's saw what him, scared the hell. Holland never saw him play. You know well, that's that, good, right? Who, Yanmark? Yeah. That's no, due, the, due diligence. The, 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 the Eric Cole guy, because he was oh. always in Sweden. When they traded for yeah, Eric Cole, yeah, yeah, he right. was always in Sweden, so he relies on on Anderson. And look, Jim Nill made that deal. Jim Nill saw him play. You know, Jim Nill exactly. knew exactly what he was doing. And the Red Wings, you know, Eric Cole, if he didn't get hurt, could have been maybe a, a player that could have punched in some goals. He's a forward with size. I had no problem with that trade. You know, no, I got banged up. But what I'm saying is the Red Wings are in a better position now than they've been in the last three, four years. You look at the standings. I went back and looked. They're in a better position now. Datsuk and Zetterberg aren't getting any younger, no, but and they're almost done. And the fact that they didn't trade, they've got, they've got all of these defensemen who they refuse to bring up. Sproul, Jensen, uh, Olet's barely been given a chance. They've got all of these guys that they're prospects. In love, they're Martin in love Frick. with Marchenko. Martin Frick, who's got 20-some goals in Grand Rapids. Right, who was considered to be a bust, though. Remember, he was a no, number one choice. And... I understand, but he's come out of nowhere to have a very good season. Mantha, who you don't know what they have, and all of a sudden— I think Mantha's they... going to be traded. All of a sudden—I do, too. All of a sudden, though, nothing. It's it's very strange, and there's got to be a reason. Well, I I, I think it, I think the reason is this: I think they're comfortable in net, and they think they've got something in Mrazak, and they think that he's capable not only of winning games in the playoffs, but maybe even stealing a series, which he almost did last year against Tampa Bay, who went to the Stanley Cup final. I, I yeah, I, I think that they're very comfortable in net, and I, I think they look at it now. They want to see some of these young guys. What they can do in the playoffs, and it's a it's a it's a risk because do you think that Athanasiu had drew two penalties the other night, he scored two goals, and he was this he was the one of the least played guys on the team. What are, where are these young guys well, that you say they're playing? Athanasiu had to absolutely become the first star the other night, I, I or think, he wasn't even on the ice. But look, but Blashill used him in Grand Rapids. I think that Jeff Blashill wants doesn't want to. Unlike Mike Babcock, doesn't want to shake these guys' confidence right away and put them in positions where where they can't compete or they don't feel like they're competing. Well, what's he done to Polkinen? He's probably shattered well, his Pol- confidence. Pol- you know, Polkinen's an interesting case. I th- I kept thinking he's hurt. I don't understand that. I really what about don't. Brendan Smith, the guy's been one of their look, top two or three. I, I don't get why the, Brendan Smith was the guy they were talking about trading by all accounts. The guy was, well, I, he's I, under contract I, I, and it's pretty serviceable. I, I would say that. A basher he's of been Brendan one of the Smith. best defensemen on the team Ta- this year. Well, then the Kaiser, he's uh, been the second best. I don't, I, he's I like, not playing. I like Brendan Smith. I told Blaise this summer. You've got connections down there. Why is he not playing? I don't know 
know what's going on with him. I truly don't know what's going on. Unless he, Personal? Could I, it be I, something? Well, see, that's the only thing I can think of. If you look at the stats and he looks like he's having his best year as a Red Wing and no he's question. not playing, then you got to look if something's going on off the ice. I don't know. And I, you know, and I hate to insinuate that because I don't know. I mean, I want to no, know. None of us would be because it's nothing that's affecting it his on-ice performance. And if it's something that's so bad, he would be suspended. Wait, wasn't, yeah, I, well, I, hold I on a second. It. Wasn't Brennan Smith, he got in trouble when he was at Wisconsin, and Brennan Smith, didn't he give Teletubby his ID to get into the bar? Shahan? Oh, Shahan, I, I don't it know. Was Smith uh, who gave him the ID? I, that, that I don't know, but, <laughs> but I will say this. I, I think that... I think this is what's going to happen because I know you know the first segment's got to be over like pretty soon. Uh, that no, we're going five hours tonight. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would think that the off season they're they're going to make some major moves. I, I truly believe that, and and I think if Stamkos doesn't sign with Tampa, and I believe he is going to sign with. You Tampa, think he's going to stay in Tampa? I think he is. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, look, I mean, Stevie, what's he have to? But why? That's it's kind of like the similar situation with, with Dominic and Sue. Why? Why stay? Why not sign? Risk injury. If you're going to stay in Tampa, why haven't you signed? They're going to give you the max. I mean, it's well, not I, like... I, you know, I, I, well, it's been no one knows what kind of negotiations going on. Although supposedly there is negotiation. If he, if they take it to July first, you know, be because, in Toronto. You know, well, people think he's going to be if in he Toronto. He goes to free agency. But, he's but not look resigning. At, look at what Toronto. Yeah, well, definitely if he goes to free agency, I agree. And if that's going to happen, what Steve will probably end up doing is a day or two before July first, because you know you have that trade open period. Rights. He'll trade his right fourth round. Well, though. you know, but it's better than nothing. You know, and, 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 and do you, you think there is a chance that Red Wings can sign Stamkos? I, I think that they, I think they would go right in there. Okay, Art. This team is a financial nightmare right, right I now. Under, I understand they've that. Got, they've got to trade Jimmy Howard, and who knows They will how, trade Jimmy Howard. But uh, it's a year I, too late. I would give him away. I would take a seventh-round pick I would have put him on him. waivers. They need they No need one that. would have picked him up, though. They wouldn't have picked him up because well, they so didn't have gonna, to take his salary. But they, so you're going to trade for him well, and see, give but, him a prospect But, look, but look at the other night. Look at the other night. You know, I know you, I, you know, Jeff, I know you. I've talked about this before. I like Jimmy Howard. I think we all do. Jimmy Howard's a competitor, but look. Morazic pulls up, you know, with a slight growing pole, and he's in net. And they call up, Gerard, you know, Jared Carew from from what they 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 weren't going to do anything with Jimmy Howard unless they got something to knock. But his you, uh, you, me, Ken Holland, all know that if Morazic goes down tonight against the Blackhawks, the Red Wings are effed. They're they're going nowhere with Jimmy well, Howard. You can't win a cup with a five million dollar backup goalie. That, well, they yeah, need to get rid of him whenever they can well, because they because they've gotten what they, they then, got all then, the, unre- the all the free agents they've got. I'm going to pull a Stony here. I'm going to talk it out both sides of my mouth. Then then they can but with Jimmy Howard they can assure that their playoff streak is going to be alive. Jared Carew, they can't do that. You know you might as well do I'm what the sure Leafs that, are doing. Art, I'm not sure with Howard even playing well. I mean, Morazic has carried this team playing most of the There's season no question. at a level, at a Vesna-like level. That if even the Red Wings had no question. above average goaltending, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. They might be in the Austin Matthews Derby if they didn't. If they had Howard no, having would, an average be, year, that would be great. That's how good Morazic's been. <laughs> well, I agree, but they don't think that. That's what I'm saying. How can we trust Ken Howland moving forward? He's got us into such a pickle with the Cronwall contract. With the advocator contract now, with Jonathan Erickson, these guys. Do you think on an open market that advocator is getting more than three years, nine nine million dollars on an open market? Ken yeah. Holland has been so loyal to the Dan Clears. What is here? I mentioned this the last Dan Clear thing. I to this, I well, have no idea. You know, what, I, and what I mentioned that's this all last about. week. Does Stan Bowman show any sort of loyalty to those guys in Chicago at all? 
No, he gets rid of guys because in a salary cap era, even though you win the cup and you want to keep Dustin Bufflin, you've got to make other decisions and you've got to trade him or you've got to trade Assad or whoever. And Ken Holland, I know you've, you, 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 you've been friends with him for years. No, I do. I, I mean, and I, I know like you him. like him. And he might be a great guy. But the league seems to have passed him by. And that abdicator contract sticks out like such a sore thumb. You've got all these guys coming up. Uh, DeKaiser, DeKaiser Mrazek, right. uh Nyquist, right? Nyquist is a, uh, fr- a restricted, right? No, no, they or, signed uh, Tatar, him. They don't, no, Tatar. No, Tatar, Tatar, I'm sorry. Tatar, I'm sorry. Look, I, I mean, I, I, and they've, got, they've got a lot of bills to pay, and he's going out buying groceries at Plum Market or, or Whole Foods when he needs to be shopping at the Spartan store. <laughs> Or in a local bodega. I I don't know. I I prefer Westbourne, but but the way I look at it is... You can't afford that either. Westbourne's pretty pretty pricey too, but their their produce does stay fresh for a while. (laughs) Uh, I I will say, I think that whatever's going to, you know, obviously now the trade deadline's going, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But I think this offseason is going to be a key one and crucial. And and I would suspect them... uh, if if they get eliminated, if they first of all if they don't make the playoffs, that would they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. But, 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 make right, I agree with you. What's I think their, what's their ceiling? And not to cut you off, but I know you we got to let you go pretty soon. What, yeah. What's the ceiling for this team right now? I'm interested in your answer because I have an I have an answer. What 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 do I think? They, yeah, well, what's the ceiling? And, 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 well, their ceiling. Look, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't want you think I'm looking at the world in, in red and white tinted glasses. Their ceiling could be quite high if Morazek shows up and is, I agree. is, is brilliant. If he stands on his head. I don't see why they couldn't contend for the whole thing. I but, agree with you. That, that's, that's the that's, only. That's, that's the, a, but it's all predicated on him. The conference is all jumbled. And let's and be honest. And the team that's the best team. Not exactly a great history in the postseason. I was going to say, let's be honest. I mean, you know, the Washington Capitals have been choke artists for years. That's why they just I, don't seem to get the it's job. Like the done. Sharks, they're never going to win anything. Really, you know, yeah, that's a, yeah, they, yeah. that's true. You know, they're the Atlanta Braves but of the they're, NHL. They're, they're not I mean, even a uh, they're an afterthought to me. But. Great, we just guaranteed the Capitals lifting this cup. My last question is this, right. and this is my last question because right. this is where there's the disconnect I think between a lot of the Red Wing fans and and the, and management. We've got a new thing called advanced metrics. Oh, yeah. Okay? And, you know, when we were watching the Wings and we were having a ball when they had the Russian Five, we all talked about possession. We didn't know about Corsi. We didn't know five-on-five possession number. We didn't. We had none of that. We're talking about the late 90s. But what we did know is when Kozlov, Larionov, uh, Fedorov were on the ice, the other team never had the puck. Right. There's no and doubt. that was a real good thing. And the same thing for Forsberg and Stag. Those teams, we knew intuitively – that having the puck was a good thing. But now we have all of these stats. And it seems to me, Art, that like the Tigers before Al Avila became the general manager under Dave Dombrowski, the Red Wings have just completely ignored advanced analytics. It doesn't seem they even have a department. These decisions that, that Blashill makes, it doesn't seem like there's anyone in that organization or organization or whatever you want to say <laughs> Is forward thinking at all, and all the other Detroit sports teams now are, and I think the Red Wings are the last ones to get on the bandwagon. Well, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting again. I mean, Ken Holland do they have, usually do, is you pretty. Know, you know that organization. You know well, everyone right, who works there. Right. I don't. Do I, I would say anyone who, does, would, who does that. I stuff? would say that Blashill should, knows, you know, knows the sciences of today, shall we say? But I will be. 
I think that who also knew sabermetrics and knew all that kind of stuff was Scotty Bowman. You know, Scotty was all over that stuff before anybody. I mean, he, you know, he broke it. You know, that's well, he's a beautiful mind. Rain right, man. right. Mean. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he is an amazing human being, but I, I think that. So there's nobody there. I, I'm not sure. I really don't know, Jeff. You know, I, I don't know. Like it does, I don't know if Ryan Martin is that guy or is he just a capologist? Uh, the, you know, the assistant general manager now, uh, you know, Anderson, a lot of their guys have been here for a long, long time. And which, it, which, bodes, which bodes not very well that they're, they're, that they're taking these, these advanced stats. And it shows on the ice. It shows on the ice when a guy like Pulkinen and a guy like Smith, players where the, the advanced stats are very kind to Pulkinen in his limited time, to Brennan Smith this year, and they're both sitting there eating popcorn next to Bob Duff and, you know, Helene St. James. It well, just makes no sense. And it's, I, that's the maddening thing. I we're would spoiled. say we're you and spoiled. I, you and I, we, if the Red Wings never win another Stanley Cup for the rest of our lives, we've had enough. No, you're right. I you're mean, right. we cannot complain. I'm not a new That's how all my friends say. You we're know, not, if they don't do it again, I've seen four right. of them. I've seen four of them. They got to two other cups. We've had, our, we've had a lifetime of success. And I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm not a Bill Simmons, New England right. Patriot fan saying, I don't, they don't have to win, but I would like to see them run properly. Right? You'd like to see them lose the right way. Or if, yeah, I mean, if just they're if, going to lose, well, have the best you know, chance may, out there. Don't don't make don't lose because of these easily correctable mistakes. Right. And, and exactly. I, guess, I think that's I a reasonable I, request. Right, and perfect I, explanation. I, and, and I and I think that depending on how this year plays out, I think with that. Remember, we you know thing we haven't talked about is a new arena is going to be opening up soon, and I don't think they want to be tumbling down into the bottom depths of the NHL. So I would imagine, based on how this year plays out, because they finally have a goalie. You know, Jeff, I think I've told you this before. The one thing that Ken Holland said that he always regretted in his Red Wing career, and this is several years ago now, but was that they never, after Chris Osgood, they never developed a goalie. They always had to go out and get somebody. Right. Hashik or, you know, Joseph, Mike Vernon, Vernon or Joseph. You know, they were all, you know, they wanted. Ty well, Conklin. You know, Ty Conklin, who was. <laughs> Ranford. <laughs> Ranford. Right, Bill Ranford. That night, they made five deals on that when they got Ranford that day. You know, but, but, but my point being is, is this, is that I just think that at this, what, what they're going to have to do is, as this season plays out, they wanted to keep Howard around as an insurance policy. I know you don't agree with it, Jeff, but they did. They're going to make moves. They're going to be they're aggressive. Have to. You're right. Because if they don't, but, but they're going to lose to Kaiser. Someone's going right. to. What, what happens I, if What happens if someone? What if some, someone makes an offer sheet to Mrazek? That, that's a possibility. I, that, they, they, they would keep him. They would keep just say that they had to keep Jimmy Howard on as an insurance policy? No, 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 just this they year, thought, just, just for this year. You think they thought that? Yeah, yeah, they oh, thought okay. this year, for the I, remainder of this year. Well, oh, I think they're look, wrong. They, it's they a luxury to, they can't afford. They, well, be, well, right now, well, they think they can afford him for the last couple of months of the season right. in the playoffs, no, but, the, the issue but you're was, right. They don't think that they can keep him long-term because they know, as Jeff just pointed out, they have to pay Mrazek starting next right. year. And you're not going to have thirteen million. You were yeah, yeah, right. Two yeah. years ago, before Mrazek had ever played a game with the Red Wings, you were telling me that the Red Wing organization thinks that Mrazek's the real deal. Right. People inside, and we're not going to name names because you told me off the record. Right. But you told me people in that organization thought that this guy's ceiling was what we are seeing now, and and that was part of the reason that I was so high on the guy, which is a complete disconnect. When you had a chance last offseason, when there were teams that needed a goalie, when Jimmy Howard was coming off an all-star year, which you could easily say the second half was because of coming off a pretty severe injury, right, exactly. you could have sold him, even if you got a third-round pick for Jimmy Howard last year, and you could have signed the goose, 
monster, right, right, who would have been a right. fine backup, and you go in the season right. with Mrazek, and you say, these are the moves that infuriate me that they haven't made, and they're in a but position now where reasons. they might be but there screwed. Were they, they looked at it this way. They, you know, as much, whoops, I guess the segment's over. Your, your uh, eggs are already hard. As, as much as the, uh, as, as much as they could have moved Howard last year, they weren't, they wanted to have, they wanted Mrazek to have a full season under his belt just to make sure. And as a little bit of insurance, because again, Which would have because, been great because it's all cap numbers. They had the luxury, but, but they're paying Morazic like eight hundred ninety thousand dollars, and they're paying Howard five point two or whatever it is. Right. So they looked at it for an. We're getting two really good goalies for six million dollars. I mean, that's how they view it: six million dollars. Now they know full well that if Morazic jumps up, as Spiro pointed out, if Morazic jumps up to like $5 million, they're not going to spend $10 million on goalies. But hopefully they're going to get the rid of Howard. Has, but the music hasn't ended, and they've got nowhere to sit. That's what you got to hope, because every other team knows the situation that they're in. They know that they're screwed well, financially, and if they got to get rid of Howard... At this point, what you should hope for as a Red Wing fan is you should hope that Jimmy Howard plays the remainder of this season like he's played the last two games. Again, oh, yeah. You know, really, no, because well, then he'll, there'll be a market. There'll be a market for him because, see, this is what Holland always thinks. He looks at what they signed Howard for, and when you look at it and you look where he slotted with other top goalies in the league, he's not that high. He's a nineteenth highest paid goalie, right? right so, the, so you look at it, and he thinks in his mind, a team like you know, he he would always say the Atlanta Thrashers or something, a team in a small market will take him because he's a name player, people know who he is, and you can trade him to a team, a lesser team, that's just looking for, first of all, just looking for like a deal and to bring in a player that might be be able to appease their fan base. And well, Jimmy Howard could be that guy. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure that. That NHL still exists. Well, you know what? Well, you know, and I would love to be at a poker that, table that, with Ken Holland. That, that was the thing. I would love was, to play poker. That was with the Ken thing Holland. about Johan Franzen. He would say, "Listen, his his deal is what happens is this, his his deal is always going to cost four point nine million off the books, but his last four years it's like two million and one million. So what you do is is that with, you know Franzen, who you know is a known player, is a star. I'll trade Johan Franson at this point. Shows you how long ago to the Atlanta Thrashers, who will take him because even though you're not helping Holland's case by keep mentioning the Atlanta Thrashers. <laughs> well, why, why, why haven't you met the Denver Rockies? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, Colorado Rockies or, uh, or or the Cleveland uh, Crusaders or whatever. Well, no, he said, yeah, he said, you know, so California, the Golden so, Seals, yeah, the Golden Seals, White Skates, Carol Vadney. I love that team. But anyway, four point nine million is on the books, but they're only paying him two. Right, because because of the way the contract is situated, so he kind of looks, he, you know, he looks at things that way too. That I can unload some of these players because they're Red Wings in their name yeah. and we're a name franchise, and I can get something. Yeah. Well, in I return. think those days are over. I think the game's passed them by. Well, we'll I think, see. You know, we'll look, see. This offseason is going to make a break. Look, Jeff, I'll tell you what. We'll do this show next year, and if they stay pat this offseason, which I don't think they will, they can't. Uh, right, they can't. Then, then, then let's see. I, I'll give Ken this benefit of the doubt. I let's see how he adapts to whatever bef- you know comes his way at the end of this year. All right. Well, we appreciate you yeah, sticking around was fun. for forty-eight minutes oh and talking to us. Uh, you think you came out pretty much unscathed? 
Well, yeah, I politically. Feel, I feel good. I don't <laughs> think you've been blackballed anymore in this community. It can't get much worse, no, trust you just, me. You probably should just cash in your chips, get the hell out of here, and just uh, live for another well, day. Well, I had a good time. I really appreciate it. Love talking uh, the wings with you. Yeah, I always have. Jeff, good seeing you. Good seeing you, Justin. And, uh, you know, guys. Uh, and Jessica. It's always oh, well, Jessica, Jessica, too. I uh, already said hi to Jessica. Yeah. She yeah. was you know, she was with the, with the Red yeah, Wings show. Yes, yeah, she was. She was. And, and, oh, I didn't see it. Archer, great show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it starts, what, March 30th, I think, uh, season five, season six. Yeah. Well, on that note, we will take a break. John Benjamin. I don't watch (laughs) cartoons anymore. I'm I'm an adult. You've got to be kidding me. (laughs) I hear it's great. Archer would be right up your alley. I do. Spiro, you watch it? No, not at all. I do hear it's great. It is. It's hilarious. I just don't have enough time. It really is. I just got glared at. There's just not enough time to watch all my TV shows and destroy the Detroit sports media. Just not enough time. Not enough hours in the day, Art. Priorities. You certainly bear across it. Yeah, I do. I do. All right, we'll be back. I don't know what we're going to talk about when we come back, but. Uh, it was great having one of the original sports doctors Thank you. Uh, in, in in the studio today, and hopefully we'll be back soon. Art Regner, everyone, we will be back after this break. Thanks, Art. Thank you. This is a previously recorded episode. We are back. Hurricane Regner has left the building. Great talking to Art, as always. I always like Art. I enjoyed that many, segment many years from the time when he was on the uh, the good old Sunday afternoon sit-in, just bombing the Lions after Lions games in the '90s on on DFN with Henson to the point where um, Jessica doesn't know this, but remember a couple few weeks ago we were talking about how the Lions were trying to control what people were saying and get people fired. He was yeah, he that was him. Oh, they tried to get him fired. Oh, I still oh, remember really? being a kid when yeah. the Lions lost to the. He seems like the, the nicest guy. Uh, ever. He is a nice. Well, guy. He's, a, he's a harsh critic when he's wound up. But I remember riding in the car with my dad and listening to him after Everyone the Lions is. lost to the Cardinals, and he just had a complete meltdown. And I, I loved Art. Are you people say you guys hate everyone in town. Art's on that list of people I think we both like a great deal. I like listening to him. I, I don't think he's uh, a Skip Bayless type like Drew Sharp. I think he's authentic, and I think he has some interesting insight and. I think that kind of came through in that segment. I, yeah. I think he knows his stuff. He does. He's a little too close to the Red Wings, and I've always, I would have told him that to his face. There's some, there's some benefit to that, though. He's, no, I I'm thought just, he brought some interesting No, 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 no. He has yeah. insight, but I'm just saying yeah. I think he's just a little. Well, yeah, we alluded he, he to that. He loves the Red Wings even more we than We alluded I do. to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The best. No one's perfect. One real quick art story. You're a little too far from the teams. You're a little too mean. <laughs> yeah, that's true. One quick art story, which is pretty funny, because we've always pretty much had a good relationship ever since the website started. We were always on friendly terms, and he was doing this show with Karsh on XYT AM, and it was right around the time the Pistons won the title. might have been after they won the championship, and they had the pep rally at the Palace. I don't know if you remember that. But after that pep rally, I went over to cross the street. I can't remember what it was the post or what it was then. Cicerelli's now, I think, but uh, right by where you live. Yep. So they were doing a live remote after the pep rally. So he was doing the show with Karsh. So I don't think I'd ever met, but I was going over there and I was going to say, I had art. And I figured, oh, Doug hates me because I was calling him Ann Arbor Doug, calling him Benedict Karsh and all that crap. And I've never liked Karsh. So I figured I'm going to go over there and Karsh is going to give me death stares or, you know, say something. Thinking that art was just going to be happy to see me. 
I walk in. I think Art was on the radio still. He sees me, and he starts, like, turning red and gets off the air and starts, like, storming toward me. I I literally thought he was going to kill me. It was the scariest encounter I've ever had with anyone in the Detroit media. Uh, Rob Parker almost killed you with his car. Worse than that. At least Parker was in the car. I couldn't see, like, bulging eye. Art was so fucking pissed. I'm like, what the hell did I do? Well, what it was was that, and I didn't even know it. This is one time where I didn't even know what I had done. Valente and Foster were on in the morning, or middays at that point, because Foster had yeah, back- ten to one yeah, back. Foster had yeah. backstabbed his former best man at his wedding, Art, to take his job. So, the producer, or the yeah, I think it was the producer for the show who answered the phones for Valente and Foster, was a woman named Michelle. And she was dating Art, and now they're married. But I guess it was like, I don't know if it was like nobody knew, they didn't want it out there that they were dating. And I had called up Valente's show, I wanted to get into it with Valente over a topic, and Michelle wouldn't let me on. And I had said something like in an article on the DSR, that Michelle didn't let me on, and she was Art's wife. I didn't say anything nasty about her. I just mentioned it, or girlfriend. I just mentioned she was Art's girlfriend. I didn't know this was not supposed to be talked about. And Art fucking came after me and started screaming at me at that restaurant. Like people like to the point where everyone around was like just staring, like what the hell is going on? And I had to like calm down. I'm like Art, Art, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't know this was not supposed to be talked about. How am I supposed to know? And he finally calmed down, and that was it. But that was, like, literally the scariest thing. If you want to know when, I really wasn't afraid of Parker running me over because, like, everything else he does in his life, I'm sure he'd have missed. So this, hold on, let me interject. This Regner thing was more terrifying than the time you were deeply traumatized by the 97-1 Gestapo. Well, I was you were brutalized to the point of a neck brace, crutches. Really? A a giant gash on your face, which we have documentation of. Jesus. Yeah, it was... The, the brutal uh, the nation of Islam, uh, private security company at Grand Circus Park after opening day a few years ago. I was being a dick. I was being an asshole. Well, even for so me, what I was making fun of Terry Foster's diabetes. That was not a good look. This doesn't mean someone can no, but it was it was bad. It was, I was in the wrong. It was stupid. But these two guys picked me up by my feet and my head. Two guys, yeah. And there's great video of it too. Yeah, right. Oh my god, I'm, no, there's no great oh, video. My friend Greg, it. I'm cold. Co- I got so excited. Co- co-founder of the it. site was more worried about them dropping me than video. Where which footage was it more oh, focus? Yeah, <laughs> just unbelievable. It was horrible. Bad. It was so. Like, bad. Well, I even have a camera. These guys carried me out of Grand Circus Park, running while carrying. Me. I'm not exactly light, right? And like dropped me in front of like cops and said arrest them. Because I was like, I was even. I mean, I was being obnoxious, but it was it was a oh, public you, park. You were out and about without your Jewish star. That's what happens. <laughs> I don't think the two guards from the Nation of Islam, the Louis Farrakhan <laughs> disciples, would have treated me any better if I was wearing a Jewish star. I do not think so. But uh, I really That's should have filed a. Uh, I really should have filed a police report because they didn't. I mean, it was basically they, they had no they, legal basis to no. put their hands. So they on then you they so it just so I when they picked me up, one of the guys like cut me. It was like a real small cut. I mean, Justin saying it's well, a gas. I, I it was would, a joke. But Jessica doesn't know, so the no. next, so the next, we back this then, news to me. back then we were doing a show, uh-huh. at, at, TV down, show. down a TV show, in, uh, the in, now defunct U Detroit Cafe. Yeah, the U Detroit Cafe. We used to do a TV show, 
So the next episode, in Andy Kaufman esque style, I show my, up, my idea. I show up with crutches, a neck brace, <laughs> and I'm like, like a band aid on like the a in my face, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow!" And, and, and my partner Damon Perry, who was on the radio, uh, used to be on the radio, was like. What the fuck are you doing? And normally the show starts with everyone just like on the set. It starts with you like slowly crawling your way on your crutches. <laughs> right. I'm like, so like walking Here he up. comes. Here he comes. And just... David's like, what are you doing? Then the best part was a cop walks into the bar. Uh-huh. Just just by – I mean this was just another – once again, a coincidence happens. Cop walks into this bar because the U Detroit Cafe where we did it, mm-hmm. it was a bar. And, and people would watch the show from the bar and the mm-hmm. restaurant – and I start yelling at the cop, "You've got to take this report." And I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing, I got crutches, and I'm wearing this neck brace. Saying these people assaulted me, and the guy's just laughing at me and like waving me off. And then he leaves, and he's. But that was that was probably that was that was at, when they were actually running me out, carrying me out of that. That was pretty scary. But I still say art with his. When Art gets mad, his face is red. Turns red. He's, he's red. Eyes bulging, and I'm like, and, and I didn't. I mean, I I know what I've done to many people in the media. Like if Matt Derry came after me with a a meat cleaver, I don't I'd know. Com- <laughs> I completely understand why you wouldn't okay, be able to pin it to just it. one reason. No, but It'd I would understand. Of- right, I would understand like why he was. If Terry Foster, you know, was coming after just but Art, homicide. This is a guy who I've been friends with for years and on friendly terms, and he's coming after me like, oh my god, what the fuck did I do? Andre Drummond, you have a story. Well, you know, I contemplated writing an article on this, or and then I thought maybe it'll become a blog, and then I thought it's just there's not enough there to publish a story on it, and I thought I would share it here. And it's just an interesting tidbit, certainly not a bombshell, but I found it interesting nonetheless, that I had a conversation with a very good friend of a Piston player's wife. Okay, if you can wait, get wait, the separation. A very good my, friend. My friend is good friends with a Piston player's wife. Okay. So I'm, I'm a, a couple degrees of separation from this. But I was telling him the story that happened with Andre Drummond and showed him the video that's on YouTube, which shows Drummond coming after me, being held back by Reggie Jackson and whatnot. And he said, oh, I know all about Dre. I said, what do you mean you know all, know, you know all about Dre? What are you talking about? The wife of this Piston player said that he likes Andre, thinks he's a nice enough guy. He's the most lazy, and this is an NBA veteran, the most lazy player he's ever played with, doesn't put the time in the gym, is the only guy in the team that doesn't lift, doesn't do, put any extra work in, and is so sensitive that Van Gundy has to tiptoe around giving any instruction regarding the free throws, and the team has little powwows on the side about how to get into his head without offending him, that they are, the exact quote was, walking on eggshells with this guy. So this isn't any bombshell because the stuff we kind of... Of course it's not. We already knew, but I, I thought the stuff about that, how, that he's a really lazy guy, he does, he's not really driven, he's just, he said this guy, he, he's like not a mean person, he's, uh, you know, he's a nice guy, the, the guy, the player likes him, I guess, but he's just the laziest guy on the team, laziest guy he's ever played with, has no drive to be great, and is just content to kind of float through, and that he does not put the time in on his free throws that has been suggested by the team, that that's a cover. Basically, that he he puts the bare minimum time in. He spends more time in practice working on dunks. This is So this is 
this is stuff that I obviously believe. I didn't think there was enough there to put a story together, which is why I didn't publish it, but I thought it was interesting to share on the podcast. And, you know, Moss is the first you've heard of this. I'll happily share with you at the next break uh, the details of where, where exactly this came from and how right. I came into this information, but very reliable. And I well, just none of it, it surprises me. What does, none of it's a bombshell. Here's, here's right. what I don't understand about this situation. We're not going to dwell on it too much. Stan Van Gundy, we all love. We all think he's been doing a good job, and there's no – I don't have any major complaints with anything he's really done other than no. maybe keeping Josh Smith a little too long, but, I mean, it's hard to, to bash him about that. It was that. not his – It wasn't his – I mean, he was trying to fix a situation that Joe Dumars left him, and I, I really can't blame him. He gave him, what, half a year, got rid of him around Christmas. With that said, if what we've seen with our naked eye – sitting up close to these games, Bill Simmons' TM. How he interacts with his teammates, how he interacted with you when you you know, suggested that he shoot free throws underhanded. His behavior from the, all the people that have emailed me about interactions they've had with him off the court. Now this latest detail from a teammate of his, why is... Stan Van Gundy going to go all in with this mental midget. Why doesn't he trade him? Why do why don't I mean he's got a I don't know if Bill Simmons is ever going to write another article, but if he does his trade value stuff, I'm guaranteed that Andre Drummond's probably one of the top fifteen or twenty commodities in the entire. Yeah, he'll league. be in the top twenty for sure. I mean, he doesn't have a contract right now. He's going to have a max contract come next year. Yeah, uh, but he can but, factor that in. Yeah, yeah, whatever you factor, I don't know how yeah. you factor that in. But why are they going to make this guy the building block of the franchise? And sorry, Jasper Apollonia, when you give a guy the max contract, Reggie Jackson is not the building block of this team. It's going to be Andre Drummond moving forward. And this is a guy who can't listen to home fans mock the free throw shooting. If Stan Van Gundy has to walk on eggshells to try to motivate him or to give him constructive criticism. His teammates are saying he's lazy and not willing to put the work in. Why are you going to make this investment? Do a sign-in trade. Do something. And that's the thing. These people, You could get a lot for him. Your, your friend Garrett Elliott and Jasper, who is our, I guess, on the, on the hot seat Pistons correspondent, are, are so they're, – they're like aghast over this idea of trading him, you would get a boatload for him. I mean, so it's not, we're not saying give the guy away. I, yeah, I, we're, not, I, yeah I, we're not saying have like, a like fire sale. Get rid of him at all costs. He stinks. We're not saying any of that stuff. He's a very good player. But, and we made the point when Jasper and I had our argument two weeks ago on this very show, name the team in NBA history, name one that won a title with this type of guy as the the cornerstone, as the franchise guy. You can't name one. He's soft. This came directly from the source whom I trust fully, that the players have side powwows and talk amongst themselves about how can we get in this guy's ear without hurting his feelings. This is is your general. This is is your Patton, who you're going in the war with. You can't have it. You don't have to tell me this. We've seen him sit there. While the team's making incredible comebacks, pouting. he's not involved, and he's sitting there pouting and 
almost needs a crane to get him to the, the, the huddle during timeouts. He just sits there like aloof, and it, it's just maddening. And like I said, maybe maybe we'll be all surprised. Maybe Stan Van Gundy does see all of this, and maybe he just can't say anything, obviously because anything he says would hurt his trade value, I guess. Could there be... Could could it be that they do put him on the market and get the best? The thing that I've advocated for is it's been well documented that Boston is actively looking to acquire a star with those Brooklyn picks. They have so many picks from Brooklyn and other teams. They have like eight first-round picks in the next three years. They're openly shopping them. I have been advocating to get the two Brooklyn picks from Boston and uh, Jay Crowder. So then you get... Two, what are going to be ultimately top five picks, including one this year, which is the Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram draft, either of which would be, I mean, just outstanding acquisitions for this team. And then another one the next year, and it will be a much better draft, another top five pick, because Brooklyn's going to stink the next couple of years. And you get Jay Crowder, who's, you know, a, a 15 5 3 guy. I mean, just not a great player, but a solid young guy. And then you can build around Reggie Jackson, Stanley Johnson. Ben Simmons, Brendan Ingram, whoever you acquire. And then another top five pick the next year. That's not a bad core. You're going to have four or five guys, 26 and under, that you can draft that are not mental midgets. This is a guy – I don't hate Andre Drummond. I just hate him as my star. And that's what he's going to be well, as I, long I, as he's I don't, I don't like him. Well, I don't like him point, personally. I mean as a player. Right, to the point where the way they've treated you and the well, way – I'm not on the Pistons. So. Right. I, I, I barely watch them. Because of the situation with him. I get harassed. I mean, I, yeah, I, we yeah, never I, talked I, about it because you weren't here last week. Why don't you explain what occurred the last I time? Thought I thought I told the story a couple weeks ago. I don't weeks think ago you ever podcast, told on the podcast. So maybe I didn't. Not the last one. We had, uh, we were at the, I was at the Denver Nuggets Pistons game. We had great seats. Uh, Bill, Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons trademark. Yeah, we, for the um, Billups retirement ceremony in Jersey. Um, Yep, yep. And we had, uh, with our tickets, we had these passes like to go back into like the champions room or whatever the hell it's called. And uh, so, we, you know, they give you these little wristbands. And after the game, we're kind of just standing watching the guys clear the floor. And we're like, okay, we're going to go grab a drink, maybe something to eat or whatever. They always have like a little spread out there. And it's part of what you get with the package with the tickets. Fully acceptable. I think it stays open two hours after the game ends. So we start making our way back there. And this usher grabs my arm forcefully and like pulls me and says, you can't go that way. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you can't go that way. Please leave the arena, sir. So I just like I casually, you know, pull up my zip up and just show him my wristband. He goes, "Oh, okay, go ahead." And I just kind of smiled at him. There was no apology. I mean, he, it was a like a violent grabbing my arm. Like it didn't hurt, but like pulling me physically. Didn't say excuse me, sir, or whatever. It was just very aggressive. So I just kind of smile at him, and I'm kind of like, "All right, have a nice night." You know, like I, if he had said sorry or something, no big deal. You made a mistake, you know. At least apologize. But he just, you know, goes, "Okay, have a good night." So I smile at him, you know, say have a good night, and I, I go on my way. I don't say a, a word, nothing, literally not a word, positive or negative. He thought I said something, I guess. I, I take a few steps away, and he says, would you say? Would you say? So I turn around. I said, what are you talking about? And my buddy goes, he didn't say anything, man. Like, I don't, know what you're, you, I don't know what you're hearing. He goes, I didn't disrespect you. You don't disrespect me. I said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say anything. I'm just trying to walk away, you know, have a nice night. So he, he goes, I know who you are. Okay, we're watching you. We've been watching you. I know who you are, so watch it. And, and my buddy's like, my buddy doesn't know about all this stuff that's been going on. He goes, what is it? Are you notorious here? What does that and mean? The guy's saying, we know who you are. We're watching you. 
I've literally this. I, I didn't do the free throw motion or anything. I, I just sat, watched the game, didn't do anything objectionable. Got up, tried to proceed to the whatever it's called club, courtside club or whatever, which is within my rights as the ticket holder that evening. And I'm being physically assaulted, berated. I've done nothing. So, and you fast forward one game back when I was at the game with you. So you're my witness to this, and we have video of some of this. My only action was standing up and doing an underrated free throw motion, the granny shot motion. That was enough to get me threatened with lifetime banishment from the palace, not just for pissing games, but for concerts. I, I, I'm not you even, will not be allowed to see Steely Dan. I, I'm not even doing. <laughs> I, I'm not even doing anything. You're like on the Pistons terrorist watch list. It's on the day. Oh, we know who you are. We're watching you. Poor, poor Evelyn. Never not, gets to go to see the P.T. Barnum I'm not gonna, circus. What if I want to take her to palace. Disney on ice? No Rihanna Never. for nope, you, buddy. Nope, just Lynn. No. You won't be able to go. Sorry, honey, I can't go. I'm banned. Well, how, did, how did you get yourself banned, honey? Oh, I did an underrated free throw motion, and I tried to Why go to the Why is Evelyn calling home. you honey? Uh, just, what? Just do that. We say honey. <laughs> it's his daughter. He's, I thought, oh, okay. oh. No, I was talking about my no. wife and I. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. Yeah. I was said okay, I was this hypothetical conversation was with Lynn. I can't oh, wait okay. to explain to her why I'm banned. I can't take Evelyn to see Disney on Ice. It you know it, it's it's hard. I, I likened it to your experience with the Lions when you finally said as much as you had like a, a mostly hate but a little bit of a love hate thing going there. The day that they called the cops and tried to have you arrested over a Photoshop posting. That's when I was that done. That was like just how do I root for this team that tried to have me arrested? How do, and I still this doesn't change the fact that I love Van Gundy. I love what they're doing with the analytical department. I still like the direction of the team overall. I'm not saying that. But it's becoming very difficult for me to be sitting and watching a Piston game actively rooting for them when the, they have these bullying tactics. It's un, you were a witness to this. I've had I, I've gone to games with Fake Gator. I've gone to games with you. I've gone to games with my other buddy who was here for the Nuggets game that I, I just told that story. I have multiple witnesses. I'm not lying. I'm not doing anything objectionable. And th- this is the treatment I no. get. I'm getting physically assaulted. Now, I, I'm and not exaggerating. Why, I was, I I was viol- violently pulled by this usher. And, I can't even tell he don't knows watch who I him. am. And I don't want to watch Drummond. It just it, I, well, and that's the I other thing. Out. How do you support Andre Drummond? He, he's such a fucking. It just bitch. it's so hard yeah. to root for the team. And, and Jasper can say whatever he wants. Give me those two top five. We're not talking about a twelfth overall pick. We're talking two top five picks, both of which could be the first overall pick. It, you know that, that's unlikely, but you, you know you could be talking about two top three picks. Uh, you you make that trade, and what, at, at worst, it's going to be two top five, yeah. top six. Well, I mean, it, it's just. And, and the year after next is a loaded draft. I, I make that deal. I'm out on that team. Uh, I agree. All right. We, we touched the article about Valente uh, potentially leaving 97.1 after his contract expires in about 28 days. He has filled in a few times on WFAN in New York, which I guess you could read into that in the last few months as an audition. And it's not this it's not really any sort of power play by Valente's agent Mort Meisner. It, it would appear all of his options are CBS owned radio stations, either the one in Philadelphia, which they offered him a gig there. Potentially New York, if you can believe the report that uh, we posted and the leak that came out from uh, the Valente camp. My question for you is, as I reported, my first question for you, what, what is your opinion on the, on the entire story? And 
what's your take on it? We haven't really talked much about it. Well, you know, I, I hit it with Art earlier, but I think you go if you're Vlami. I think that's a no-brainer. You know, I I think if you're in a position where you can hit the the peak, the apex of your profession in any given profession, you do it. And then you figure out the rest later. The only exception I would really factor in is if there's some type of a health issue, if you have a, a kid receiving oncology treatments, God forbid, and, and you know his doctor's two miles away, yeah, it's some, whatever. I mean, stuff like that is the obvious caveat that I would throw in there. But absent of that, you take the job, and the thing that, you know, trying to get into Mike Vellani's head might be a little bit difficult, but even taking his wife out of the equation, I think he is comfortable in this bubble. He's safe. He knows he can be in this bubble forever. He's well the guy. The guy won't even tweet. He, the guy hasn't tweeted in over a year is, because he is weak-minded. That is the point. Studio gangsta. That is the point that I'm I'm grinding toward is – He's he's comfortable and safe here. He can do his Michigan Michigan State bit, you know, four months out of twelve, and and be cool, you know, and often. And the thing with Valeni is, I actually think he would be good in New York on the air. I think if he were engaged and committed, and I think he would almost have to. It's kind of sink or swim. They're throwing him right to the sharks there, especially replacing a legend like Mike Francesa. But. I, I think he would do well. He'd well, have but, a year and a half to to, to get into the market. Right, and I, is not going anywhere. And I think 2017. Right, and I and they would ease him in, and I, you know that's a good point. I think that's that would help him a great deal. But I I, I think if you're Valenti, you take that job. Even you know, obviously, if your wife's saying we're getting a divorce, if you take it, she's probably not that good of a spouse. You know, to deny her husband. <laughs> the apex of his career. You know, I, I'm good friends with an opera singer that does a lot of local stuff and is very, you know, successful locally. And he's grinding, 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 trying to get an offer to go to the Met in New York. And that's the apex. If you get the offer to go to the Met, you go. And you don't worry about property values in New York City. You don't look at, oh, what are the schools on the 2% chance when he decides to have a kid someday. You just go and figure it out later. You can always come back. What I'm more curious about, honestly – just in terms of the the Detroit angle is, would 97-1 take any hit? I know you've said no. I think they would. I'm not saying Before they, we get into that, before we'll get into that, but I want to I give you my opinion because I kind of wrote yeah, the article yeah. kind of as a straight piece. I threw a couple jabs in at the end, but yeah, sure. I really didn't give a lot of my opinion because I thought the article should be kind of newsy, new, yeah, yeah. newsy kind yeah. of breaking news stuff. But this is why I don't think Valente would go to New York, and I think this is being put out there because they want to put some pressure on the local CBS people to keep him here. I just don't think it's in his, his his mentality, his personality, not on the air where he's very brash, obviously, but his actual off-air personality where if you've read any article about him, I think the one Angelique Shangalis did a couple of years ago, look at the profile about him. The guy wants to be left alone. Basically, I think the quote is he wants to spend his off hours with his wife in their Royal Oak home with their pets. He's a very private person. Very private. Yeah. Doesn't want to be bothered. You know, there was a couple few years ago there was death threats made against him, I think because of the Michigan-Michigan State stuff where I think the FBI was involved, and he totally freaked out from what I've been told. I've had death threats against me, and I didn't even call the cops. I mean, I had a guy literally on Twitter say he was going to put a bullet in my head, and I think you know about that situation. Yep. And I never called the cops. 
and I knew who the guy was. I mean, this wasn't it was anonymous, but it was easily tracked. And I never even called. Guy was like from Grand Rapids, that area. I never even called the cops. I just don't think he has the cojones to go to New York and be in that fishbowl. He's a big fish in a small pond here. And the fact that he has always wanted his blankie to work with, Terry Foster, which we were talking about this off the air, Terry Foster mentally is not capable of challenging Mike Valente. He's not bright enough. Valente has set up this basically straw man. It's almost like the old Alan Combs, Sean Hannity program. Where they just kick Combs around. <laughs> where, where, where they're like, oh, we're going to have this, this, this token liberal on Fox yeah. News. And, and, and it was almost like the WWE where Hannity was just going to get over on him over and over. That's the relationship between Valente and Foster. Foster's the clown. Was right. Foster's the clown. He's the dummy. He's the imbecile. He's the court jester. And Valente was never going to be challenged. He's the sideshow Mel of right. Yeah. <laughs> sideshow. Sideshow Bob was too smart. Yeah. He's the sideshow Mel. Sideshow bone chip. Okay. <laughs> that that's Terry Foster. And if Mike Valente was really cared about doing a great show and leaving a legacy in this town. After a year or two, he would have shed Terry Foster as the albatross that he is and would have had someone else in that. But even a guy like Jamie Samuelson, he wouldn't, I don't think he'd want to work with on a regular basis because Jamie, for his bland and vanilla, he's no dummy. I mean, the guy went to Northwestern. I don't agree with a lot of the things he says, but Jamie could challenge him on things. And Valente doesn't want that. Valente wants a guy who instead of watching the Wings game tonight or the Pistons or the Tigers, whatever it is, he wants the guy who's watching The Bachelor. Because the guy watching The Bachelor and live tweeting it or the dummy who goes from business to business opening up restaurants and is is a mockery in this town isn't going to be able to sit behind that microphone and go mano a mano with Valente. And Valente knows that. He wanted to be the alpha male and have a little bitch as his sidekick. And that's why I don't think it's in his personality or his makeup to go to a market like New York. And you might be right. And I, I do think, as I said, I think he feels very safe and comfortable in that bubble. But I, I'm just saying what I would do and what if I that, think. If, I mean, that, yeah, I think right, I go. agree. I, I would too. But I'm. But we're not. I'm not. Try, I'm not. I'm not but we're alpha males. Yeah. <laughs> He's, well, you look at. Here's in my opinion, and you might not be the best person to bounce this off off of because as little as I listen to the Detroit media now, like the radio, you listen even less. But to me, there's no question. The best show in this town by far is Valenti on his own. When Valenti's in there, those rare days when they don't have Foster or a fill-in co-host and he's just going at it himself, that is good radio because he doesn't talk about food carts or ice fishing. He He's willing to bomb callers. He, he's very on point. He has sharp ideas. He's very, very good. And that's the format he would be in New York predominantly. He'd be doing the Francesa thing, running the show on his own. If he had the gusto for it, if he had the stamina for it, if he had the balls for it, I actually think he would do well 
I, but his psyche is a major concern that he might go nuts. And that's if I think he'd lose it. If I mean, Detroit has him on edge, you know, he's you had me to deal with, and I've been pretty nice to him. Yeah, okay. but there's probably a hundred Jeff Mosses That's in New York. The, in New, in New yeah. York, they're not they're not bloggers. They write for the New York they're, Post, they're the mainstream and the media. New York Daily News, yeah. the Phil Mushnicks. I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump is on the cover of these papers as an orangutan on a daily basis. <laughs> the whole Steve Phillips thing. I mean, your per, you cannot keep your your life personal in New York. Uh, they're going to go after you. And especially an outsider who's coming in from Detroit, and this—he's not a New Yorker; he's from upstate New York. Yeah, people from New York City, from Manhattan, from the five boroughs don't. People near Buffalo, those, those are the New Yorkers. You know, Valente. A lot of people think, "Oh, he's a brash New Yorker." The you know the people don't like him. The Michigan fans. The guy's from upstate New York. He's, he's not, not he's from not the, like he's not that. from Brooklyn no. or Queens. Okay, this guy is. He doesn't have that mentality, and that's why – why was this leaked? Why did this come out that it made the pages of the Detroit sports rag? Not because someone in New York was going to read it, right? No. They don't care. They would find somebody it was else. Some, uh, it was somebody – might care. If whatever reason, whatever's going on, if they're stalled, if you can't make any more money in Detroit and they keep telling them you've got to go to Philly, you've got to go to New York if you want to make more money, I think, I think he'll stay and – I think this is all contract negotiation because he's gotten he's got no other alternative here. He's not going to 105-1. There's no chance of that happening. No, they're not going to pony up. They a they won't. They've already said that they're not going to pony up. And b he'd be insane to go to that radio station. I don't yeah, care. Sinking ship. I don't care how talented you think you are. Uh, you're not going over there. That place is an abomination. And Valente probably just sits back and laughs on a daily basis at Dave Shore and. Drew Sharp and what's going on over there. So either stays at, at 97.1 or someone else decides to make him a cornerstone of a new sports station, which on FM, that ain't happening. So his, his, he's very limited. And that goes to the next point, which you were going to get into, the question of how does that affect 97.1 if he does leave? And we disagree, and you're a little more in tune with the numbers and the, you know the market and the fluctuations and whatnot, I'll give you that. But I, I find it hard to believe that Valenti leaving would not leave, if not a gaping hole, at least a moderate-sized hole in their programming. I think he is a draw to the station. I do, and it's hard to argue that. And I'm not sure what you're arguing. Are you saying that Valenti leaving would have? Zero difference, or it just wouldn't be devastating. Because I agree, it won't be devastating as long I as think they have it would the Tigers. Be, I think, and I think it would be negligible. And I'll negligible. tell you, I'll wow. tell you why. And I'll tell you wow. why. I'll tell okay. you why. Because if you look at the ratings, the twenty-five to fifty-four male demographic, I've been privy to them. If you see these, not just the ratings, the raw rating, but if you see the inside numbers, okay, from Arbitron, the difference in ratings. Through 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., the difference in ratings between Valente and Foster and a show that nobody has any respect for, McAllister and Stoney, or Doug Karsh and Scott Anderson. Yeah, Valente's the highest rated show on that station, but the difference between that show and Whale and Benedict Karsh, you wouldn't believe the slit. It's not that big of a difference. 
Now, let me say one more thing. I was told the other day that Scott Anderson doesn't make six figures working for that radio station. That's what I was told by a source who would know. Why would 97.1 pony up all of this money if you can just put Wojo and Jamie, and this is what I think, I think if you put Wojo and Jamie in that spot where Valente and Foster are now, okay, they go down 5% maybe, maybe, I don't know. The most important thing to that radio station has always been their FM signal and the Detroit Tigers rights, and they just ponied up last year. Outbid 105.1 at the last minute, went in there, because that was what they couldn't lose. And that's why I think Mike Valente on March 2nd, when his contract expires in three weeks or so, is still not locked in because where is he going to go in Detroit? Nowhere. And that's what I think, and I think 97.1 knows that. I think 97.1 knows that we're putting on a show on a sports station where we never talk about sports, where we've got basically a knockoff of uh, what, what's the goofball's name at uh, Towers, Jay Towers. They've got a you know a knockoff poor man's Jay Towers with Stoney in the morning. They've got a show of two morons in the middays <laughs> between Anderson and Karsh. Just two imbeciles. I mean, Scott Anderson... Would not I, can you imagine him on in any other mark? He really should be like an Algonac or radio or something. This guy's got no talent whatsoever. He's a big mushy virgin. Well, that's irrelevant. Yes, it is. No, it's relevant. It's relevant. Okay, they're not. They they don't they don't value Scott Anderson to pay him with a seven rating in the summer when the Tigers on whatever they have. They don't value him enough to pay the guy six figures. Well, you 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 tell me if Valenti wouldn't move the needle at all, and I'm not, that's why I don't understand this. Why I do they? Why well? Why do they pay him a lot more than Scott Anderson to begin with? You tell me. If he live if, reads is what I've been told. Live reads, they get more money for live. Okay, reads. well there but, you go. So but, there's okay, value. In that, this. I understand, but <laughs> but what I'm saying is, if they've got a ceiling, okay, which I think they do, why pay Valente all that money? If inserting Jamie and Wojo, which you've been paying them a ridiculous amount of money for what they do, they come on between the Red Wings play tonight, so they're on between six and six forty-five before the pregame or something on most nights. The Tigers play one hundred sixty-two games, most of them at night. They barely work. Wojo and Jamie barely work, and they're paying them money just so they wouldn't go to another station and, and to have ice. them have them on ice yep. in the bullpen, warming up in case. Valente gets a little too big for his britches, maybe, or Foster. I, I just, I don't see. They've got no competition. These Drew well, Sharp and Matt Derry. They're not this. worried about well, that. Let me ask you Justin, this. the the program director for one hundred five one is Dave Shore. Right now, I, I've been checked in the last ten minutes. He probably could have been fired. Well, that's my next point. It's very feasible that Dave Shore could be out any day. I mean, certainly, I don't. He's not going to last through the summer. That would be uh, rather optimistic. I would argue. So he's probably down to his last few months. He's tanking. Their ratings are an abomination. Couldn't I argue that letting Valenti walk opens the door for 105.1 to dig in a little bit? Because when you put those two side by side, say what you want about Valenti. He's the best thing in this town by a mile. That's not saying much, but it's true. He is. 
you're opening up the door for a competent, even semi-competent PD to come in at 105.1 and take a dig out of their share in the ratings because when you put those two side by side, if Lenny leaves, who's the best in town between the two stations? I don't think it matters. I, I would Justin, argue. I don't I, think it matters, though. Well, I would argue it's Sean Belegian. I mean, yeah, but he's is, not going to get. Ra- but but it doesn't but matter. My point he's never is, got the ratings that they have because it's not the talent; it's the format that Tom Big B came up with years ago. But it's that format of idiots calling up. No, seriously, it is. is. They've got a great format I, for ratings, I'm, not for programming. For ratings, they've got a great format. Yeah, and it doesn't and matter. That's indisputable. You, the, it the, numbers are, the numbers, it are the numbers, matter. But, Oh, okay. I don't. I don't think you can say it doesn't matter at all. I mean, why? I don't again, think it why does. Are they, why are they paying okay. Volani then? Okay. Then, why are okay. they paying him more now? But, they, but, but, but why is he not resigned? Because they're not willing to pay him any more, and he's got nowhere he can go. So they're leaking this article to the DSR to put some sort of pressure. I guess. I I don't know. I don't understand it. But Justin, can you listen to twenty seconds of Carson Anderson? No. The ratings are. Right, maybe maybe a half a floor below what Valente and Foster get. It's right there. I mean, if I showed you the numbers, you'd be like, I cannot believe this. That's why those guys have all been programmed. That's why Anderson can't go in there and go, you're, you're, why are you paying me $90,000 a year? Look at these numbers. Look at these great numbers. You're only paying me ninety thousand dollars a the, year. It's the machine, not the operator. I should be, yeah. I should yeah. be making That's in any point. other market with these numbers. I should be making one hundred fifty, two hundred grand. Why am I only making ninety? Because you're replaceable. I could go out in the street to go to Specs Howard and tell someone to talk about uh, the best sub shop in Detroit to discuss. Or just get some Homer. You're Scott Anderson. Do you think you're a singular talent? No. That's why I don't understand this whole situation and why I think Valente is in a bad situation. He either has to leave town because he's at a ceiling salary wise in Detroit. What do we think he makes in Detroit? I mean, if I told you the number that was leaked, you'd throw up. But I don't know if I can believe it. What? What do you? What is it? The number that was leaked out. Yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand. Well, at that point, you're never going to have kids by his own admission. Well, I don't think he's in a bad spot. I just well, I don't know if that's true. I think it's less. I don't. I don't. Care if he I makes, don't believe I don't it. Care if he makes half that. If no, I making, agree. If you're making even if he's making two fifty, if you're making you know a quarter of a mil a year to do the job that he does, uh, you know you're not working full time. You're talking about sports. It's really not that tough of a gig. He's never going to have kids. That's a huge expense. Are you sure hey, of that? Well, that's what he says. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he says openly he doesn't want to have kids, and his wife agrees. I mean, that, oh. was, that was part of the discussion, I guess. I and mean, that's just what he says. I, don't, oh, I haven't right. talked to him personally, but that's what he said on his show repeatedly. You know, that that's a nice lifestyle. So I wouldn't say he's in a bad spot. I'll, I'll just say that. But you want to get paid what you think we, you're worth. And that's fair. A lot but of people we, want, we you know, saw, it's principle. just the principle, right. right? We saw WDFN get really fat and sassy and rest on their laurels and they got lazy and they got jumped largely because of the signal issue. I'm not can't downplay that. They were on AM and the Tigers I, becoming a juggernaut. Right. And those are those are the two biggest reasons. And I wouldn't dispute that. But I would just say if 1051 gets a competent PD in and can change the format to a 971 type format but with a little better talent, I'm always wary of letting talent go. If I'm 97-1, I'm not saying it would be the death now. I think as long as they have the Tigers, they'll be okay. I don't think there would be a negligible difference. I think there would be a weakening of the brand, so to speak. 
But, you know, I don't think we're even going to find out because I think Valenti's going to retire here. But That's what I think. What, what would happen to Terry Foster if Valenti's gone? Because you're saying Valenti's not even going to move the needle negatively if he's gone. Couldn't I argue they'll just plug Foster in and let him go? I mean, it, Well, what I've been told is, I mean, they could do that. But what I've been told is that if Valente would take the job in New York or another market, Philadelphia, whatever it is, that Foster is gone from that show, that he's not, not going to be on the PM drive, that they're going to promote Jamie Samuelson and Wojo, Wojo and that'd be which, right would be, which would be absolutely unbelievable. Can you imagine what Terry Foster must be? He must be going home every night just praying. Praying that Valente stays. He owes his whole career. He he owes his whole career. He just lost his gig at the Detroit News. Yep, and basically said, "Look, I got to take ninety-seven one's got to be my preference. I I have I can't do the Pistons beat ninety-seven one's my number one gig. Now, if Valente goes to New York, and they he's got a contract. I don't know how long his contract is, but I." I mean, it, he's really screwed. If he signed he, for four he, years, he, he's good for at least four years. No, but years. I don't think it is. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's just screwed. Yeah. I don't think they gave him a long-term deal because they probably wanted to see what they were going to do, yeah. what Valente was going to do. And he has no leverage they anyway. Know, What's I mean, he going to do? They, they, I mean, there's nobody. I mean, he's there by himself. That show is absolute. Hey, that's the worst show in town. I'd rather listen to Carson Anderson than Foster on his own. Right, because at least they're professional broadcasters. Right, right. I mean, you can't even li- Foster can't do the, the basics of the show. He's like Anthony Fennick writing an article. Which do you want to get into that the last few minutes of the yeah, show? Yeah, why not? You want to get into, well, you want to get into the tournament? How, what, well, let's hit on it for a minute. What is there really to say? You are refusing to reveal any aspects of the inevitable Drew Sharp trophy presentation. Is there anything you can tell us? I know what it is. Is there anything you can tell the audience about how this is going to go down? Well, all I will say is that we might it, it might not be right away. It could be right away. We have to bide our time. And we might have to bide our it took time. Like six months for. But for I will data. say, w- would you agree if what our plan is, it would be the best trophy delivery ever? Yeah, the biggest and I, dagger. And I don't think we'd ever be able to match it. It would. No. There would be an extra, and it's. It would disarm his ability to handle it the way he would sort of organically want to. It, it would be soul-crushing. It, it would be soul-crushing, and it would be it would put him in such a lose-lose situation. You know, he I, he couldn't handle it well. Like, is he really going to, you know, I can't give it away, but I, I, I you know, we know he's going to win. That's done. There is a component of this presentation that uh, we need someone's complicity to go along with this. And if we get it, I think it'll be uh, – a major dagger through oh, the heart of Drew Sharp. It would be awful. And, and oh, oh my lord! But I mean, this is the thing, and what we've been talking about for years. We've been doing this since 2012, and Foster has never made a deep run. He got to the fucked up four one time. Sharp. Oh, excuse me, Drew Sharp. Yeah. He got to the fucked up four one time, and then got annihilated in that next round. He's never been a threat to win it all because people thought that he was going to want to win it. Why vote for a guy who's a troll, who basically is eliciting a response from you, and by voting him to win the tournament is exactly the payoff that he wants. Yeah, you're feeding he, the beast. You're feed, he, yeah, Skip Bayless, like, oh, I'm really upset that Deadspin voted me the most hated uh, um, talking Bonner. head. Bad yeah, he'd Bonner. love it. If Foster would always w- would have loved it. Or, excuse me, Sharp. Sharper. I cannot believe I keep doing that. Sharp would have loved it. He doesn't love it now. And we were trying to do a, a live remote opening day, trying to work the logistics of, of that out. I think that would be great if we get a bar 
to do the show live on opening yeah. day. Uh, I, I we you know, with the uh, signs that you've procured. Yes. You want to go into that? No. Or do you want to wait? No. Okay. I want to save that one. All right, we'll save that. Yeah, yeah. But put the, that whole thing the, is, the whole thing opening day could be a spectacle. And I'm, I'll come out right now and say to Drew Sharp, it might happen opening day if you were at a live remote. What are you going to do? Are you going to have fucking police and security? Well, it's definitely going to be a, it's definitely going to be a remote. And honestly, who's going to mess? Well, I, I, we can't get into it. No, we can't. You can't it, talk it, about we, it. We have like a we have a foolproof plan here. I don't I, like that you guys are sitting here teasing and not giving any details. We can't. It's we can't because I can. enjoy your pettiness. Well, we could tell you after. I don't okay, know. Awesome. I think this is justice. I resent the term pettiness. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This is this Justin's is going to shank me on, we on are, his way out of the studio today. We are you, you we, we are fighting for a good cause here, and and I'll just say I am so happy that the voters got this right. I had a, a maybe a small, just an ounce, a drop of fear that the public would screw this up, but they've done me proud. I'm so happy that Drew Sharp pushed through this tournament with utter dominance really only seen before by Terry Foster in his winning year, and even he was at least resisted a little bit in the championship round. This is just a Can we talk about Foster for one slaughter. second? Let's talk about for Foster for one second, because this should not go unnoticed. I think it's impressive he made it this far. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, good for him. We've done this four times. He won the conference championship. We've done this four times. Three of the years we've done it, he got to the final. That, no, think about it. That is absolutely unbelievable. He lost to Sharp today. He defeated Goodshill uh, in 2014, and the first year he lost to Rosenberg. I think okay. in the final. I know he. Check. I know he you was. Talk in, for a second. I know, Let me check. I, I think. He, I know he was in the fucked up for the year Rosenberg won, and it was Henning and Rieger. I'm pretty sure. Let me check. You talk for a second. I, I, I thought. Up. I thought Henning. Lost that one, but to, to Rosenberg, but I'm not sure. I got that. here. I got to go to my folder and Dropbox tournament yeah, folder. Yeah. Did Gridiron Spike get into your folder too? Is that why it's taking so long for you to track <laughs> uh, the it champion? Down? Okay, here was the fucked the, up for the four. podcast saboteur. Okay, so we said he lost to Sharp this year. Yeah, he won the championship at Good Show in 2014. In 2012, the fucked up four was Rosenberg, Henning, one matchup, Rieger, Foster. Foster beat Rieger and lost the title to Rosenberg. Three out of four. Years and you look at the two years that he lost in the final, he was up against impossible odds. Like, I, you know, Rosenberg had led a crusade against Michigan football, it, it just embarrassed himself on a national level, right? And, well, and Drew and, Sharp plagiarized. I mean, it's like he couldn't the, win those yeah, matches. That's what I mean. Like, he was he ran into an absolute buzzsaw. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, the Rosenberg ch- uh, championship was basically because of John U. Bacon's book, right? When all John, the def- John right. Bacon doesn't even write that. Rosenberg doesn't never wins. Yeah. Rosenberg can thank John U. Bacon for winning the first title because it came out that he, you know, he's telling people he had an axe to grind. You know, believable like Jim Brandstatter. Yeah, people that we were all that would never lie about this stuff. John U. Bacon's book propelled him to that, and there was no way Rosenberg was losing that year. But Foster still got to the final game. Three out of four years. That is insanity. He could easily have three titles. Of Mike Shashevsky must be coaching Terry Foster. <laughs> It's and the only reason he didn't get to the final and fucked up four in 2015 really was fatigue. That was it. The voters just had it. You know, we gave him the title last year. He got to the final the year before, but right back after one year, he's back. He beat Henning. He'll be in the fucked up four next year. He beat Henning, man. 
that which that, I, that was shocker. Me, that was an absolute stutter. Look at that close. I thought Henning was Henning was a lock to win the thing in November. Oh, as far I, as we were the concerned, o- the odds, the odds coming up to the tournament in November and December, right before the sharp story hit, were he was like three to five Henning to win it all. We kept saying, "Oh God, this is going to be a boring tournament." Why because, are we even going to do it? Yeah, because Henning, you know, he had lost by two votes out of a thousand to Anderson, the Virginal Manatee. This was his revenge tour, and he had a great year. Had a great year. Predicted the Tigers weren't going to resign, weren't going to sign any big free agents. He doubled down on the job of Chamberlain, fifty million dollar contract. Refused to admit he was wrong. Uh, he was great this year, and he still couldn't beat Foster. Come close, really, in in that matchup. So the guy Foster is just—he's one day we'll have to give him not only uh, the runner-up trophy, but one of these years he's going to have to get one of those like Scorsese or lifetime Nicholson <laughs> lifetime achievement DSR tournament. Because the guy's been unbelievable. I think he'll be the he'll be the first two-time winner. I think. I, I, that, that would be oh, it depends. I mean, Sharp could kill someone. You never know. Sure, I, mean, I mean, Foster Foster might win next year. I, my my horse for here's next the year thing. is Here is the yeah. I'm, bet, Fennec, I'm betting on Fennec. Fennec, early. Fennec is is a good is good. You just hope this is the one thing I hope next year. And I can't believe we're already talking. This is like talking about the NFL draft for the next year, the day after the NFL draft. But I'm just hoping people don't just continue to vote for Sharp every year because of the plagiarism and that they realize the board. this is basic. This is from one year to the next, and you yeah. can't consider that. But trying to tell these people that isn't that easy. That's how Rob Parker surprisingly got to the shitty 16 this which year. Which stupid. Which but, was dumb. Yeah. But but that's what happens. People still view this as a lifetime achievement type of deal when it's really supposed to be. You're only supposed to consider from the last day of the tournament to the first day, of the and tournament. and I'll I'll say this: there's things that are wrong, sort of within the tournament, you know, within certain rounds. I don't think we've gotten the wrong winner once, though. No, I, I think the I, last year either one would have been right. It, yeah, you Henning or Anderson. I would have no problem with Henning. Anyway. I I think last year there were two real worthy candidates, but I don't think there's been one year where it's like fucking a. And you know, like Bill Simmons likes to talk about when he's talking about the MVP vote and who to vote for MVP. You want to think back in 10 years from now, I want to look back at who won that year and be like, yeah, that was the Dirk Nowitzki season or that was the Stephen Curry coming out party or whatever. When we look back at this year, you have to see Drew Sharp on that line and say, oh, yeah, that was the year right. Drew Sharp played rise. Oh, yeah, that was the year Michael Rosenberg sabotaged Michigan's football program. You know, whatever. You don't – I think we've gotten it right. Every, every time, year. all they the voters have gotten it right. Well, that's what year. I mean. Yeah. We the collectively, right. not you exactly. and I. I mean, the, the we as the voting public has got any conspiracy theories. We're for there. well, you are racist, <laughs> but yeah, I, I still have those screenshots of Terry Foster saying that you rigged the tournament the year he won just so he could win. Not only because you didn't like him, but because he was black. Yeah, um, right. We've had some nice diversity: a fat white guy, a Jewish guy, a black guy. <laughs> like. It's a, yeah, two black guys. Yeah, well, now two we, black we guys. We can't but. be accused of uh, like we, the Academy Awards. Yeah, right. Of not being fair when it comes to the people we shit on. 
The, the well, la- I, t- I take back my comment of it being petty. You legitimately are giving these guys awards because they suck at life, and you're yeah. just letting suck them know. Suck at life, know, suck so. at profession. Suck we, at- have, we have people that are mocking rape victims that can't even get to the final. I mean, that's the state <laughs> two of people, that's Two a, people. That's why I said people, not yeah, person. Two people mocked rape victims basically in the last month, they didn't and even, that could put them over the top They didn't even either to get into the <laughs> fucked up four. They didn't even make it to the final four. No. Just... Unbelievable state well, of affairs. Well, this in this town. town is just incredible. And that's why you and I have a, a side hobby that we like. Yes. And the last thing I'll say is there's no reason to get Foster a little trophy, competition trophy, because we've already done that, given him his award. But I will be ordering a miniature fucked up for participation trophies for both Fennec and Henning. And I think we should deliver those too. On top yeah, of the sharp. I'm good with that. I still haven't seen Fennec in person. I, I there's uh, Yeah, you did. When? When you this the uh, the, the free uh, the fire uh Osmus. Didn't you see him walking by or something? Oh yeah, I, th- I did see yeah. him. Yeah, I uh, yeah, kind of. I mean he walked right in front of me in the dugout and I bombed him. Fennec's gotta yeah, I, get I forgot uh, that was at Wrigley. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Fennec's gotta get a competition trophy and, and lean uh definitely does, which is a segue where the show's over, but uh, probably Spiro probably won't be here next week. I'm guessing. What is uh, your wife's due date? Due date's Friday, but really oh. it could be it could be tonight. It could be next week. I mean, who knows? Right, yeah, and, any day. Uh, so Evelyn will be. By the time Thank we you. do this show next time, is a very good chance that Evelyn Spiro will be co-hosting. Will be yes, Aww. in the world. So thanks for listening. Thank you to Arthur Regner for joining us for the first half of the show that was a good time thanks as always to jessica thank you to jessica sarah thank you guys for constantly keeping me entertained one in the studio and two on facebook <laughs> and i didn't even mention the fact that we had to postpone the show one day we do the show on wednesday instead of tuesday because theo caused the power outage theo, in theo, ferndale theo cut the cord <laughs> like once again yeah you know, you were innocent yesterday. Like I just said it for you, I but I know you were thinking it. Did like, Theo's show go off we had, without we, a hitch we, on Monday? We had. Eight, oh we no, he was sick, so he didn't do. Oh, one. he was sick. Oh. Okay, that gave well, him he extra free busy. time. Yeah, we, exactly. we had eighteen <laughs> shows without an issue. This guy got a key to the building. There have been seventeen issues <laughs> in the two shows since. You want to believe in coincidences? I, uh, it's your right. I don't buy it. Now the guy is a podcast petty. saboteur. <laughs> that's how we end the show. Thanks, Theo. Uh, good night, everyone, and we will see you next Tuesday. Maybe I'll have a different uh, co-host for for one week if Spiro can't. Uh... Yeah, you're not going to sleep for like at least a month. Yeah, that's what, that's the rumor. Thanks, Jessica. All right, later no on. All right, bye. This is a previously recorded episode.